Come on, if you're excited to be the church, make some noise this morning. That's what I'm talking about. I love our church, man. I've preached in other places, and I'm like, come on, get excited for Jesus. You're like, but you guys are psycho for Jesus, and I love that about our church. You guys are amazing. So I want to welcome you if it's your first time here, or if you're watching us online. Man, there's a lot of great things going on. Let me just start today by telling you this, that our cafe is rounding third base, and we are heading home. We are heading home. We are getting so close to finishing that we are now in need of training up some baristas in the house. So next Saturday morning, everybody say next Saturday. Next Saturday, if you want to be trained in making the most amazing, anointed, divine coffee that you have ever made, uh, our team is going to be training up some new baristas for our Underground's Cafe, and we are looking to open right at conference. So we are, we are right there, you guys, and that's, made, that's been made, made available by all the generosity of the heart for the house, of all you're giving. So thank you guys for being the church and for being generous and liberal. And man, we are giving it our best, and I'm telling you, our team is killing it down there. But now we're in need of some baristas, okay? So if you want to be a part of that team, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And Roxanne and I were talking about this. All the money that is made down there isn't going to be made for any, any savings account or any financial gain. We want it to be able to sustain itself. And we also want it to go to missions work. So whatever you do downstairs, listen, whatever... You don't need to go to Starbucks no more. You don't need to go to Coffee Bean, none of that. You are going to experience the most best coffee in this, in this community downstairs on our campus. And not only that, but the proceeds of that are going to be to replenish the supplies and to give towards missions because that's our heart. We have the heart of a missionary church. So with that being said, listen, make sure that, that once we open up, listen, I heard that Roxanne's even going to be cooking flan from time to time. And so there's going to be, I think, flan Sundays. And I heard that Jalissa's going to be making cupcakes from time to time. And they're going to be down. Listen, I'm telling you, we're about to blow up in so many different ways. But it's going to be amazing. It's going to be, we, we've got, uh, a, that, that's going to be a multi-purpose room. Our young adults are going to be able to use it for their ministry, for Nightlife Church. And man, it's just going to be a blessing. And so, um, I want to encourage you that if you're not a part of that cafe team or if you'd like to be a part, make sure that you sign up and register for DNA. Uh, but next Saturday at 9 a.m., we are doing training. So we need you to show up. And so uh, in order for us to know that you're showing up, we need you to send us an email. You can, if you have your phones, get your phones out right now. Um, write this phone number down. It's 310. If you're not already there, three, you could even text right now, 310. It's not up there, but it is our church landline, which you can send a text to, 310-644-2236. And just let us know, I'm in, I want to be trained as a barista for the glory of God, okay? So, make sure that you, you, you register, that's the way that you're going to register right now. That's how we know how many of you we're going to train up. But uh, we're, we're putting that team together amongst some other things, so we're excited about that. And then we got conference in two and a half weeks, Let There Be Life. Some people don't know what conference is all about. Let me just give you three quick things that conference is really all about. It's about all of our church plants and family coming home together to celebrate what God is doing through Restoration Life, okay? So praise, or for, for Restoration Life Washington, they're going to be coming home. They're going to be here with us that week. For Restoration Life out in, in Eagle Rock, amen, our Spanish church plant over there, they're going to be coming home. Our Spanish church on campus... They're going to be here. Restoration Life English Service, you're going to be here. And it's going to be three crazy, fun-filled days of impartation, discipleship, di uh, uh, vision casting, and, 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 and an opportunity for you to respond to the call on Friday night. Let me just tell you, we are launching some new things on Friday night from this Synergy Conference, so you don't want to miss out. Make sure that you get here, okay? It's going to be exciting, amen? It's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss out. Let there be life. Okay, if, you're, if you have your Bibles or if you have a smart device, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 for me is one of, one of my favorite portions of Scripture, and I always go back to this at some point or another throughout the year 
um, to really expound on something that I believe that God wants to speak into the body of Christ this morning. And uh, today, I wanted to share with you our anchor thought, our anchor thought for this series, Here Comes the Bride, is that you can't say that you love Jesus. You can't really say that, that you're, you're in love with God and you're pursuing God and you're responding to the call of God and say that you hate the church or you're not actively participating as an active member of the church. As a church, we have an assignment here at Restoration Life, and that is to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see broken lives restored into a right relationship with their God and Father, to raise up another generation of future leaders and to one day release everyone into their purpose, into their destiny, and into their assignment. Simply put, it's reach restore and release and that's our assignment as a church here and we see that assignment carried out in various ways and so it's very important okay, very important for all of us to understand how important it is for us to be an active functioning member within the body of Jesus Christ and so I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 through 5 and we're going to read it out of the passion translation and I want you to follow along as I read. It says this, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred, living sacrifices and to live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. If you could bow your head and close your eyes, we're just going to pray over this time together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your living word. It's active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So honored to be able to speak life and truth into your body, Lord, for you are the head of this body. Lord, I pray today, God, that you would open our ears and open our hearts to instruction, to challenge, and if need be to rebuke and correction. But God, help us to all leave this today equipped to do what you have called us to do as the bride of Christ. God, we thank you for this word, and we give you all glory with everything that's said and done today. In Jesus' name, and everybody made some noise in the house. Come on. Now, there have been a lot of times that people have come up to me and said, after I preached the message, Pastor, who told you? How many of you have ever said, man, somebody told them my business, raise your hand. And I was preaching, or one of our, our dynamic preachers in the house was preaching, and you were like, man, that spoke right deep down inside of me. And I feel like God exposed some things, God um, said something, or maybe my wife said something to you, I don't know. But I've had a lot of times people have come up to me and said, man, pastor, did you write that just for me? And of course, my response is always no. No, I didn't. I didn't write anything just for you. I wrote what God put on my heart for the body of Christ. So let me preface everything that I'm going to say in this sermon today by saying this. If you have that question today, the answer is yes. I wrote it exactly for you today. So if anybody feels like that today, whatsoever, no matter who you are, where you come from, even if it's your very first day at Restoration Life, the answer is yes. I wrote this specifically for you. And if the boot fits... Let it hit you where the good Lord splits it today. Is that okay? Because I feel like something's been resonating in me with some things that have been going on, and I need to bring some encouragement, some equipping, some rebuke, and some correction to the body of Christ today. And so I want you to hear what Romans chapter 12 says again. Beloved friends, what should be our response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that God delights or all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. What I need you to hear this morning is that word sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Now, when I say sacrifice, a lot of us have an idea of what that may um, mean for us, for our family, for our kids, for our finances, for our tithe, our, 
talents, our time. We have an idea of what it means. I don't think we actually understand within the context of what Paul is saying, what he's trying to say to the church and Romans. So to kind of break down an understanding what I believe he's trying to say and what I believe the word of God is trying to say, not just to the church in Rome, but to the church of Jesus Christ today, not just here in Londa, but across the world. I want to use three methods of being able to kind of to break this down. Number one is this, is the purpose of sacrifice. Number two, the place of sacrifice. And number three, the presentation of sacrifice. And we're going to use this this method, if you will, to help understand what he was trying to say, as well as bring this into a life application that's relevant to each and every single one of us today. Is that okay? Sacrifices were extremely important in the Old Testament or back in that day. In fact, a sacrifice was made for the atonement of our sin. It was meant to cover our sin. It was meant to take the place of our of us because of our sin. The Bible says, says that the wages of sin are what? Right, so there is a penalty for sin. And so sacrifice was what God used to atone for our sin, to cover up our sin. At the, at the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, people offered sacrifices to bless God and thank God for their blessings, uh, to, to give their tithe and to participate in a fellowship meal with God and his people. Sacrifices were also given and focused on the atonement. They were offered up to God to cover for the sins of, of the marriages, of the villages, of the tribes, of, of, of the individuals, and even of the priests in the temple. Animals would have to die and their blood would have to be shed in order to bring a sacrifice to God. So imagine with me this morning having to kill an animal, to sacrifice an animal for something that you did wrong against God. Are there any animals, animal lovers in the house today? Raise your hand. Come on, I, I love animals. I love the way that they taste. I, if you're vegan here this morning, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I am an animal lover. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am a meat eater. I am a protein kind of guy. But beyond that, I love, I love animals. Not as much as Roxanne or Adriana Maciel, but I love animals. I mean, left to their own um, devices, they would already have a farm somewhere and a place to park their dogs on our campus and stuff like that. Listen, I love animals. I have four of them, not including my grandchildren. Not that I'm calling them animals, but, 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 but I love animals. I love my little English bulldog, and I love my, my little three little French bulldogs, and, and, and I've loved the cat that we've had, and the iguana, and the parakeets, and, and all the other, like, like, I think Justine had many pigs, or what, what were they called? Huh? Yeah, those things. I mean... I love all those things. In fact, in fact, there used to be people that used to bring their animals to church. And I told them, unless you brought them here as a sacrifice, I wouldn't bring them to church. So I love animals. animals. But imagine with me for just a moment, if you did something that was wrong and you sinned against God, imagine if you had to take little Gidget or Norman or, or Astro and bring them as a, as a sacrifice for your sin. That would probably change the way that you live your life. You probably wouldn't make some of the decisions that you make if you knew that your pet needed to be sacrificed for your stupidity. I, am I talking to anybody in this place this morning? And so every act of disobedience in Scripture and, and in life today has a consequence. You will reap what you so the wages of sin are death, but we thank God, by the grace of God, that the gift of God is what? Eternal life, and life and life more abundantly. But the purpose of the sacrifice in the Old Testament was for the atonement of our sin, for fellowship with God, for the paying of our tithe, and for the, for the uh, substance or the sustaining of God's house in that time period. Now, the place of sacrifice was the tabernacle or the temple. 
sacrifices were often done at this place, at the tabernacle, where, where, where later it become the temple. And I want you to picture with me for just a second. Imagine driving up to church, and there would be like a massive corral filled with, with goats and sheep and cows and bull, uh, bulls and, 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 and turtle doves and, and all these things, and they were all being prepared for a sacrifice. And imagine me and Pastor Mitch out there with some with some butcher knives and we were getting ready to sacrifice them to make sure that all of you were always right with God. But as you came to the church, there was a, a nasty kind of smell, a smell that just kind of, you know, is attached to death and there would be blood everywhere. Everywhere that you looked, everywhere that you walked, there was blood. And then you would come into the sanctuary and give praises and thanks to God. That's kind of like the scenery that it would have been back in the day. I remember Roxanne and I, we went to Indonesia years and years ago. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. We were in Indonesia, in Jakarta, Indonesia. We helped open up a brand new church in Jakarta, two of them, a new, two, two new church plants in Jakarta, Indonesia. And I remember we went undercover. Do you remember this? In, into the mosque, the second biggest mosque in the world, a mosque that holds 250,000 Muslims at once. And I remember we were there, I think it was during Ramadan, was it not? It was during one of, the, one of, their, one of their very holy holidays. And as we were on our way there, we recognized something a little awkward. We, we, we started to smell something in the air that, that smelled a little, little bit bad. And it wasn't just Indonesia. It was something beyond just it being a third world country. But as the closer that we got to it, the more red that we started to see on the ground. And then we started to see the animals. Do you remember all the animals? And we didn't even know what it was for, but it was, all these animals were lined up down the street with number tags on them. And then the most awkward thing happened. I saw two guys on a scooter. Do you remember this? They had an animal's leg, right? They were carrying an animal's leg. There was one guy driving, the other guy in the back. And this guy had the animal's leg, and there was still blood coming from its extremity. And the closer that we got, the more that we saw that they were sacrificing animals to their God for their sins. And, and when we got there, of course, we had to get covered and we had to go undercover, which I was thinking, what are we doing here? Because um, we could actually be the next offering. And, and, and we were there, and all of a sudden, this, 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 this changed my life. This changed my, my perspective of sacrifice, is that they had this cow. Do you remember this, honey? Yeah, you're getting sad right now. I'm going to remind you of this. And they tied a rope around this cow, and they begin to they started to cry out, Allah Akbar, and all of a sudden, they slit this cow's throat, they pulled back on its neck, and its windpipe was, was made visible, and it started to cry out and scream, and you could hear it just starting to die, but as all the blood was coming out of it, and it brought into perspective what a sacrifice looks like. Now, I'm sorry to describe that to you this morning, but that's exactly what was happening in the Old Testament, even in the temple of God. Something had to die because of your sin. Something had to atone for your sin because of the weight, because of the sin of your city, of your community, of tribe, of your family. And so picture the commotion of the people coming in and going out, buying and selling with blood everywhere. These major festivals, uh, uh, at these major festivals, it wouldn't be uncommon for the Levitical priest to be ankle deep in the blood of animals. And so this was not only the purpose, but it was also the, the place. Now I want you to understand the presentation. The animal sacrifice in that day, the animals that were given as a sacrifice in that day wasn't a part of the herd or wasn't a part of, 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 of your stock that was dying, that was diseased or, or was crippled or maimed. The, the, the animal that you would present as a sacrifice for the atonement of your sin was the best of your best. The best of your best. And so you couldn't bring something in that was retarded. You couldn't bring in something in that was mutilated, that was dying. You had to, if I could put it in these terms, bring in the pick of the litter. You had to bring in the best of the best because God deserves the best. Can anybody say amen? They had to be healthy. They had to be strong. They couldn't be the runts of the litter or the ones that were going to die from complication. God was very specific about giving him your best. Whenever you come to bring a sacrifice unto the Lord, it is either going to be accepted or it's going to be rejected. 
not every sacrifice you bring will be accepted by God. Malachi, the prophet, starts speaking on behalf of God to the priesthood because they started doing something that was unholy. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 through 10, the Bible says, As a son honors his father and a slave his master, if I am a father, where is the honor due to me or due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that none of you or that one of you would shut the doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. So I want you to hear this this morning because this is important to where we're going. The presentation of your sacrifice is important to God. If you give God your best, God responds with favor, grace, mercy, and blessing. But if you give God God less than your best, God responds with rebuke, correction, and the closing off of his presence because he says, I would rather you not light the fire and close the doors of my temple than you come in with a sacrifice that's not worthy of who I am to you. You got to track with me here. How many would agree with me? That God deserves our best. Not, not just when times are good. In fact, when times are bad, God still deserves our best. When we have plenty or when we have minimal, God still deserves our best. When the enemy is attacking or when we're living on the mountaintop of victory, God still deserves our best. It doesn't matter what's happening in our life or around our life. God always deserves our best because he gave us his best when he gave us his son to die on the cross. He gave us his best when he gave us himself. He gave us his best when he poured and shed his blood so that whosoever believes in him would not perish, come on, but have everlasting life. I would challenge you this morning by saying to you that God will not accept what's left over in your life. God always will expect your best. When it comes to tithes and offerings, it's the first 10%. That's our best. We show him that it's our best because we give to him first before we try to take care of everything else in our lives. We give him our best, not with the time that we have left over, but because he comes first. He comes first in the morning. He becomes first at noonday. And he's first, amen, at nighttime. He's first in our marriage. He's first in our parenting. He's first in our ministry. He's first in the way that we serve. He's first in the way that we love. He's first in the way that we serve. He's, the fir he's first in everything. Why? Because we're giving him our best, and we're not giving him what's left over because we have to be careful because usually what's left over is not worthy of who he is in our lives. Come on. God wanted the best and he deserves your best. Sacrifices that were offered to other gods in addition to him would receive a curse. Why are we talking about sacrifice this morning when we're living in the season of grace? Because Paul describes a reasonable act of worship as a living 
sacrifice. It almost sounds like an oxymoron because the last time I heard, a sacrifice died. A sacrifice was burnt. A sacrifice was consumed. It didn't go on living. So this kind of, this kind of sounds a little awkward to me a little bit. It's almost kind of like saying I want, I want more, of the, uh, uh, more than half. <laughs> or I want more on my half. Or, or this was bittersweet. Or I want jumbo shrimp. Or it was a deafening silence. I mean, it sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not when you look at the context that Paul is saying it. Let's read it again. Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, to present your lives a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. How then and why should I be a living sacrifice? Today, as we look at giving God our best, I want to break it down by looking at Paul's word to the Romans and using our, our purpose, our place, and our presentation to kind of break it down. And here's what you need to hear this morning, church. The reason why you and I are supposed to present ourselves as a living sacrifice is here's my first point because of God has been merciful to you I should have been like Wah! God has been merciful to you in fact he's not only been merciful to you but the Bible says because of his mercies plural not singular God has been merciful to each and every single one of you on more than just one occasion. Can anybody say amen? God has been merciful to us. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. Look at the letter that he writes to the church in Ephesus. But God is so rich in mercy. Everybody say mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Now that word mercy literally means to have compassion and forgiveness that is shown towards someone within its own power to punish or to harm. That's what mercy is. To me, mercy is a love that responds to a human need in an unexpected and unmerited way. At its core, mercy was birthed from the love of Jesus. One of the most powerful illustrations of mercy is found in John chapter 8, verse number 4 through 11. And I, and I want you to read this with me. I, I want you to capture this with me because this, this is important. This is before he went to the cross. Thank you. This is before he, he died and he rose again. This is Jesus showing off what mercy really looks like. And in John chapter 8, verse 4 through 11, the Bible says, Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. And they kept demanding an answer and sinned. And they kept on demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, all right. But the one who has never sinned, you know this. What does it say? Throw the first stone. Or in another translation, it would say, those of you without sin, cast the first stone. This is powerful. And the Bible says, then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left in the middle and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go, come on, everybody. And can I tell you this morning that the mercy of God not only rescues you, but it also removes the people's condemning accusations placed on you. Listen, I'm here to tell you this morning that his mercy not only releases you from those accusations, but it also frees you from the penalties that you deserve, and it births a new life for your life. What is the difference between mercy and grace? Because so many people get it a little confused. Mercy and grace are often confused 
And so while the terms have similar meanings, grace and mercy are not the same, but they are birthed from the same place, the love of God. And to summarize kind of like the difference, mercy is God not punishing you for what you deserve. God not punishing you for the sin, for the judgment of sin that you deserve. And grace is God blessing you despite you don't, despite, I'm sorry, the fact that you don't deserve it. So mercy is the deliverance from judgment and grace is extending kindness to those that are unworthy. That's why the Bible says that it is by the grace of God that you and I have been saved. He has been merciful to us. He has shown his mercy time and time again. Come on, when you acted a fool, he showed you his mercy. Come on, when you messed up in your marriage, he showed you his mercy. When you walked away from your faith, he showed you, come on, his mercy. You may be here this morning, and you might feel like an outcast. You might be here this morning and know that you've committed a series of wrongs that has separated you and deserves judgment. You may be here this morning and feel like the world has come against you, but can I tell you, Jesus wrote something more powerful, amen, in Scripture than he did that was, that was in the ground that day. I want you to know that God sends Jesus and responds to your condition, to the condition of your soul, with his mercy. By grace, you have been saved. And we are confronted with this as believers. This is the purpose of us presenting ourselves a living sacrifice. Here's what I love about the mercy of God. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. The Bible says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So if you messed up yesterday or if you messed up last weekend and you came here feeling accused, downcast, and condemned, I'm here to tell you the mercy of God is here to meet you and release you from every accusation, from every condemnation, to tell you go and sin no more. We've all experienced the plurality of the mercies of God. Come on, has God been merciful to you? And the only reason why any of you are sitting in this room right now is because of his mercy. His mercies have sustained us in our lives. And I'm glad that we serve the God of mercy. I'm glad, amen, that he's made a new covenant with us through his son, Jesus Christ. He has been merciful. Look at somebody tell him mercy. Okay, number two. Number two, so the purpose is that he's been merciful to us. Number two. Can I tell you that because he's been merciful to us, we are to show mercy to one another. Here's where I'm going to get into your stuff. Here's where I wrote this sermon just for you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 through 32. The Bible says, lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. But instead, be what? Kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously Forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. How many would agree that we are the family of God? How many would agree that we are the body of Christ? That we are the bride of Christ? And if Jesus is truly our Savior, if we are truly actively pursuing Christ with our lives and our actions, then we too must show off the mercies, plural, of God to not just those that we love, to not just those that we like, to not just to those that have been good to us, but even more so to those that have wronged us, to those that have talked bad about us, to those that have slandered us, to those that have come against us, to those that have, that have, uh, have burnt us, because that is what being a follower of Jesus Christ is all about. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. 
you are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with the virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be what? Come on, team, put that scripture up. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. You are always dearly loved by God. So robe yourselves with the virtues of God since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful. Here we go. As you endeavor to what? Just stop there for just a second. Because I think we don't understand each other as much as we should. I don't think that there are there are there are there are times where we misinterpret some of the things that we might say to one another or maybe even say about one another and sometimes those things are on purpose and sometimes those things are on accident but the bible says since you have been called and divinely to be chosen to be holy he says be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate showing kindness towards everybody be gentle and be humble watch this unoffendable in your patience with others you know what there are too many Christians that are easily offended let me tell you something right now church if you are going to serve Jesus with your life if you are going to pursue ministry, if you are going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then grow some thick skin right now. Because if you are called into the ministry, the ministry has to do with broken, messed up people. And I find it fascinating that God has shown us a plurality of his mercies but when we get offended by somebody, we lose it. We, we, we turn into something that God never intended or created us to be. I'm going to challenge this church, the bride of Christ, to grow some thick skin right now. Because if you are going to accomplish the assignment on your life, your assignment has to do with jacked up people. And jacked up broken people are going to try to jack you up and break you from time to time. And if you are going to love them, and if you are going to show God's mercy, you're going to have to grow some thick skin. And you know what? Let whatever people say about you be like water on a duck's back. Don't let it offend you. Don't let it come against you. Because if they did it to Jesus, they are going to do it to you. Grow some thick skin in the spirit and be tolerable over people that don't know any better. Our job is to love them into the kingdom, not judge them out of the church. Unoffendable in your patience with others. Who is he talking about? He's talking about us. He's talking about the church. And I'm tired of leaders getting offended over what another leader said. That's like backyard school stuff. I'm like, take it outside. It doesn't belong in the house. Come on. Gossip doesn't belong in this house. Slander doesn't belong in this house. And if you are, I rebuke you in Jesus' name right now. Repent and get that right. Because we're a family. Sometimes Papa's got to bring some correction. And I got my staff out this morning. Is this okay? Oh, Father, I baptize right now. Amen. If you think I'm preaching this for you, I am. The Bible says to submit to your leadership. That's what it says. The Bible says, make their joy of leading, make, that make, you know what it says. It says, let it be a joy for them to lead you. Why? Because we're not trying to hurt you, we're trying to grow you. We're trying to help you become the man and the woman that God wants you to be. But if you've got thin skin, you're not going to last very long in the kingdom. Because Satan loves chomping on people just like you. Let me tell you something, ministry can be brutal at times. 
loving people can be brutal at times. Come on, how many times have you been hurt by those that are closest to you? Isn't that what hurts most? Are those that are from your own house? It's your kids, it's your spouse, it's your cousins, it's your tia concha, it's your in-laws. Well, you don't care what your in-laws. Anyway, it usually comes from people that are closest to you, right? Why? Because you expect more from them. The Bible is saying to tolerate them in their weakness. Can I, can I? For those of you that are being hated on right now, turn the other cheek. When you hear somebody say something about you, be like, turn it, then give them the other side. Don't twerk on them, but just give them the cheek, man. Retaliate with mercy. Shine with God's love and watch God quench every fiery dart that is a lie that has been tailor-made for your purpose and your destiny. God doesn't want you to fall into the lie that, that, that these people say against you. You know, the only more frustrating thing than slanderers and gossipers to me are the foolish people that are, the, the people that are fooling, foolish enough to listen to them. Stop listening to the people that the enemy is using to get to you. What you have to realize is that some people will love you and be good to you until they see you as their competition. Oh, they're getting a little bit too close to people that I really care about. Uh, they're my competition now. So I'm going to say something about them so they won't have the same, you know, uh, attachment that I do to friends that I care about. That's such junior high school stuff. You know what I'm saying? It, oh, come on. Ah, I got so much more. God is... Uh, mm, don't worry about those that are talking behind your back. They're there for a reason. They're behind you for a reason. You know why? Because God has placed you ahead of them into your purpose. And as long as they see you as their competition, their slander will always keep them chained to the wake of your fruitfulness. So what do they talk smack about you? Love on them. In fact, the Bible says, bless those that curse you. Come on, family and friends, they're not always going to understand why you love Jesus so much. Family and friends, they're not, co-workers aren't always going to understand why you, why, why do you need to leave early today? Because conference is coming up and I want to be there, I want to get my seat. That doesn't make sense to them. But to you, you're, you're experiencing the move of God. You're experiencing the power of God. You're experiencing the presence of God, the impartation from heaven. You're being challenged into a future that they have no idea what it holds. And so, of course, they're not going to understand, and so be patient with their lack of understanding. Love them. Be there for them. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And, 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 and who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as a light upon them and they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. So listen, why do we present ourselves as a living sacrifice? Number one, because he's been merciful to us and he's calling us to be merciful to one another. And the only way that we are going to be able to show the mercy of God to other people in this life that we live means that we are going to have to die to ourselves and live for him to serve others. There's no way you can show that kind of mercy on other people without presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. Why? Because you, you think I have a right. I have a right to retaliate. I have a right to revenge. I have a right to judge. You know what being a disciple of Jesus Christ is? Is giving up your rights to God and letting him deal with it. That's what it is. I know you've got rights. I know, I know you could retaliate. 
but what does that benefit you? How is that going to help you? In fact, how is that going to help the body of Christ? That's just going to bring more division and more divisiveness. Be merciful to one another. You know what? Forgive each other for the stupidity. Come on. Have you ever burned anybody? Have you ever said anything that you shouldn't have said? Had you ever done something that you shouldn't have done? Then show the same level of mercy to them that God showed you at one point in your life. Is this okay? We're the bride of Christ. God's mercy is grounded in Jesus. His purpose was to come, and not just atone our sins, but to wash away everything. Wash away everything where it it wouldn't have any hold on us anymore. I'm going to have our worship team come up now. Look, look, look at what, what Romans 5.9 says. It says, And there is still much more to say of his, of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Mercy. The sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross made us right with God and saved us. The place was Golgotha. The place was the mountain of skulls. It was a place outside of the city. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says it this way in chapter 13, verse 10 through 18. For we have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. And the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside of the city gates to make his holy people, to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside of the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to him. And don't forget to, be, to do good and to share with those in need, for these are the sacrifices that please God. And that's the place. The presentation is this. Jesus offered his life as a perfect sacrifice, sinless, a lamb without spot or blemish, John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is because of the mercies of God, which stem from Jesus, once and for all, sacrifice has made for us. That's why sacrifice never had to be made again. That's why they never continued in animal sacrifices. Not only was the temple destroyed, I believe that it was destroyed for that very reason. One day that temple is going to be restored. But when that temple is restored and everything is placed back in it, the Bible says that the Messiah is coming back. I'm here to tell you this morning, when we look at this, how does it relate to us? Well, Paul says to us in Romans 12 to present ourselves a living sacrifice. And it's all because of the mercies of God on our lives. The question that I would have for you this morning is, is your sacrifice acceptable? Is it acceptable to God? Have you really given God your best? Or have you given him what's left over with your life? Because God is looking for our best. In fact, that's the title of this sermon. Give him your best. Jesus was given. That was God's best. He gave us his best. We are to give our best. And present this to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. How is that all possible? Because of the mercies of God. There's mercy on all of us. There's mercy to do what we do. There's mercy to do and live the way that we live. There's mercy to accomplish all the things that God has called us to accomplish. And we can be the kind of church, we can be the kind of bride that Jesus Christ, the groom, is coming back for. So here's our presentation. Through our faith in Jesus, we are seen as righteous, pleasing him with our holiness in him. We present our lives to him as a living sacrifice. Here's our purpose.
because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can be a living sacrifice for him. We live a sacrificial life to God by serving his bride, by serving his community, by serving his people. You can't say you love God and not be an active member of his body. This life of service is lived in response to the plurality of mercies that God has shown us throughout our life. Where's the place? Well, the place is, it, it really starts not here, but in your house. Because how can you ever do anything for God if your house isn't in order? Right? So it starts at home, but it also expresses itself within the body of Christ. Churches all over the world have less than 10% of its membership or its members in ministry. Our church has somewhere around 60 or 70% because we understand what our purpose is in Christ. But I want to see our church at 100% because we understand that we are the bride of Christ. And because of the mercy of God, I will lay down my life as a living sacrifice to him. But that means I'm going to serve you and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to tolerate your stupidity and I'm going to tolerate your weakness and I'm going to tolerate your brokenness and I'm going to understand it because I'm here to help you I'm not here to hurt you I'm here to, not, not here to talk smack about you I'm not here to harm you I don't care if you're a drug addict I don't care if you don't know what gender you are I don't care what color of skin you have I don't care the mess that you come from I know my God has a plan and a purpose for your life I know my God the mercies of God can transform you into a new being. And it starts here. It starts now. It's our place. This is the place. Albertsons is, is the place. 7-Eleven is the place. Come on, Hawthorne Boulevard is the place. Hermosa, Manhattan, El Segundo, Topaz, Burnout, Haggerty's, the co it's the place. We are the church everywhere that we go. And we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Not just when we come to church on Sunday, but every single day of our lives. Because of the mercy that God showed us. And the reason why we're able to do all that we do is because of his mercy. But now we are to show that mercy to each other. Some of you need to forgive somebody that's wronged you. Yeah, you got the right and the power and the authority to judge you. But the only one that had the right to cast a stone at the, at the woman was Jesus. And what did he say? I don't condemn you. I don't judge you. Where are your accusers? I'm releasing you. Go and sin no more. Man, imagine if we responded like that to the people that burned us. Hey, you didn't know any better. You're just being stupid. Go and sin no more. <laughs> 